Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sports Show. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with the Sportster.com. In a second, we're going to have Norman Quarantine on with us. And this episode is going to talk all about the three major shows this week in the world of professional wrestling so far, Monday Night Raw for WWE, NXT 2.0, and AEW Dynamite, which uh, just ended as we were recording this. So we've got lots to talk about. We've got some title changes. We've got what looks like a brand shift, uh, things that are going on in the world of professional wrestling. We're going to cover all of that on this episode. Do us a favor, though. Help us out. Download, subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. We hope that you enjoy this episode of The Sportster Show, brought to you by thesportster.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Sports Show, brought to you by thesportster.com. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with Norman Quarantin. Norman, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, we're going to be doing a rundown show today. So we, as we record this, just finished watching AEW Dynamite. We kind of breezed through and talked a little bit about uh, NXT on thesportster.com and what might look like a brand change. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw and what's going on. Uh, ratings take, I think, a slight little hit just because of the return of football and the Emmys, I think, we're on at the same time. But it's still a pretty good show. So we're going to run through all of that in a recap show. So where do you want to start this week? Oh, let's start with Raw, I guess. We'll go in chronological order. How about that? Sure. So by the date. Sounds good. So this show was uh, an interesting one because it had three major things that were being advertised for it. It was Johnny Gargano's first in-ring action since coming back to WWE. It was a women's tag team title match, a rematch between Dakota Kai, Sky, of Damage Control, Raquel Rodriguez, and uh, Aaliyah. And then, of course, the main event was Edge versus Dominic Mysterio. So 
Uh, those were the big three things, but there were other things that happened on the show. In fact, the show started with Riddle and Seth Rollins, which has been a very interesting feud. But what I found quite interesting about the opening of the show was that the Riddle and Seth Rollins action didn't really last all that long. Seth Rollins comes out, opens the program. He's bragging, doing his thing in the ring, uh, talking about how he's going to be next. He wants some championship gold. It's about time that he gets some back. Riddle comes out, says, bro, with the mic, drops the mic. They fight. What I found quite interesting about that afterwards is that then Judgment Day comes out and tries to recruit Riddle into their group. So I don't know why they would select Riddle. I'm not sure where that's going, especially considering that you just added Dominic Mysterio to your group. And then they have a match between Finn Balor and Riddle, which was good, but all the distraction and Seth Rollins coming back allows Finn Balor to pick up the win. So my question, I suppose, is... It's a very generic question, I guess, uh, specific to this, but also to other things. I found on Raw this week that there was quite a bit of crossover. You have some feuds going on. You've got Riddle and Seth Rollins. You've got uh, Judgment Day and certain people. But they're crossing the lanes, and we're going to find this out with Kevin Owens and Austin Theory later, while Austin Theory is feuding with Jarni Gargano. They crossed into each other's lanes a lot. Do you like Mm -hmm. that as a wrestling fan? Do you appreciate it when there's a feud, a rivalry going on between two people. Then all of a sudden they just throw a wrench into it and they add Mm. a faction or another person and they say, okay, well, yeah, we know in the background, you guys can't stand each other, but right now we're going to start another storyline with another group or another person. Mm -hmm. How do you find that when you're watching it? Um, I guess it's, I guess it depends on the, on the situation and the angle. You know, I think sometimes there are, instances where that can be utilized quite well and be very entertaining you know if you're kind of if there's two feuds going on and you kind of merge them and and they have like a a say that they they sort of come 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 to a head and then there's a crescendo and they crescendo together or something i feel like we saw that i feel like we'd see that in the attitude era quite a bit um in this case i found it maybe a little bit contrived um you know, we did get a riddle Finn Balor match out of it, which was which was decent. Um, but yeah, I guess if the storyline, also if, if the Judgment Day storyline is going to be one of those things where it's like they are tra- they're trying to like run roughshod over the roster and and you know rec- they're trying to recruit people and anyone who doesn't you know get rec- anyone who doesn't decide to join them is going to get beaten up that kind of thing. Then I guess it, I guess when you look at it from that perspective, it makes sense that they would be involved in the opening segment of of Raw. Yeah, for I get what you're saying. For me, I wasn't a huge fan, to be totally mm-hmm. honest with you. I like the show overall. Mm-hmm. I thought Raw was pretty good. I thought Raw has been pretty good uh, for mm-hmm. a while now. But right. I don't love the idea that you've got the last few weeks where Riddle and Seth Rollins are at each other to the point where they literally, the second they see each other in a parking lot or anywhere, they just want to tear each other's heads off, right? So that sort of happens to start the show. Then all of a sudden, Judgment Day comes down and says, hey, you know, we've got it. We got our eye on you. We think you should join the group. Hey, if you stand with us, great. If you don't, you're standing against us. Then all of a sudden, Riddle doesn't like Judgment Day. He's forgotten about Seth Rollins, which I don't find believable because I'm looking at what's happened with Riddle and Seth Rollins over the last few weeks. And I go, there's no way that Riddle is focused on anything but Seth Rollins right now. Like he is so tunnel vision on this one guy and getting even with him that I can't even imagine. He, I think he would just try to brush off you know judgment and just leave the ring you know what i mean like you don't have to fight the dude if you just leave right i'm thinking it makes more sense for him to chase down seth rollins or do whatever he's got to do and he doesn't care about judgment day he'll deal with them later and 
it just kind of feels strange to me that you've got this Dominic storyline, which I I've liked Dominic as a heel. And I really liked his mannerisms and his demeanor and his cadence in the final match of the night, but you just added them. Right. right. So why yeah. all of a sudden are you going, okay, well, you know, it's not quite enough that we've got Dominic in our, in our group. We want Riddle too. Mm-hmm. And so it's just feels like it's layer upon layer, which is cool, but yeah. maybe too early. Right. Yeah, like, it's definitely a bit contrived, definitely a bit contrived. It feels like, I don't know, maybe they just wanted to, they, they wanted to mix it up a little bit or something like that. Or maybe they're just trying to think for the future. So then now they've sown the seeds. They can have a riddle judgment day feud somewhere down the line. Once the judgment day edge stuff has been wrapped up. And once the riddle rolling stuff has been wrapped up, maybe now they can, that's that's something they can go to in the future. So maybe, maybe it will, maybe it will pay off somewhere down the line, but I do agree with you. Like at the moment, it just seems a little bit, um, yeah, a bit weird contrived. Yeah, and you know what? I would put a a big asterisk beside what I'm saying if it was a person that I believed could maybe join Judgment Day down the road. Like, we've we've had this tease, we've dropped this little nugget, we've planted that seed in your brain, and then weeks down the road, after we've forgotten that this promo happens and this, you know, offer was made, that Riddle or whomever they're talking to turns and joins them, right? But Mm -hmm. I don't see that happening with Riddle. Like, I don't don't believe he's the guy that's going to turn on anybody and join Judgment Day. So, to me, I don't know where the payoff is in doing that. So, that was just, I was curious as to what you thought about that. Okay, moving on, we've got Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah in a rematch with Dakota Kai and Neil Sky for the Women's Tag Team Championships, and the titles change hands. The Mm. uh, new champions are now Neil Sky and Dakota Kai. The Mm -hmm. Damage Control has some belts, and Bailey is interested in challenging Bianca Belair. So she wants all the gold in the group. What do you think about the title change? It's pretty quick, right? Like you've got Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah, which mm-hmm. they've been selling this idea that maybe Aaliyah is the, the weaker link and mm-hmm. Raquel Rodriguez is the star of the, of the duo. And I don't know that it necessarily played out that way during the match. I wouldn't suggest that Aaliyah, you just got creamed and there's nothing Raquel could do about it. They just lost, uh, but right. they didn't have the titles very long. So do you mm-hmm. think this is, uh, trying to get the belts on damage control or going, you know what, maybe this is too early for Lee and Rodriguez here. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like they just made a mistake or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what the, what they were going for really, because obviously they damage control should have just won them in the first place. Right. They debuted as like a, a hot heel faction to NXT call-ups um so yeah it felt like they they should have gone over in that first that first in that sort of that final to determine who was going to win the vacant titles uh and that didn't happen so i don't know if they were just rectifying a mistake or if they wanted to do some sort of swerve where they were where they just thought nobody's expecting it but yeah definitely felt like on raw like they were trying to just course correct a little bit um i guess now at least it makes sense now like it's an actual tag team two nxt call-ups much better than I mean, I, obviously, Aaliyah and Raquel, Raquel Rodriguez are also NXT callers, but they've been on the main roster for a long, for longer than uh, Dakota Kai and uh, Io Sky. So, yeah, I mean, it makes it makes sense that they're the champs for sure. Um, feel a little bit bad for Aaliyah and, and Raquel, but um, you know, I'm sure they'll be they'll be okay in the long run. I'll tell you what I would have liked to see here uh, in this match. I would have liked to see a kind of uh, background story where Aaliyah does actually cost them the titles, you know, where she makes a rookie mistake or cause they've been talking about how she's not as strong. She's a little inexperienced. She doesn't have the polish. Um, I would have liked to see that idea where she loses 
And not that Raquel Rodriguez is upset, but kind of knows. Yeah. Like, you didn't hold up your end of the deal. Mm-hmm. And they try to set this storyline up. I don't want to break them up right away, but I would, I think Raquel Rodriguez is, is a singles person. I think that is the ultimate sure. play here. Yeah, for sure. So why would you not have, you know, plant the seeds of, well, there's some friction here, even though they try to get along, they lost the titles. Raquel knows in the back of her mind that had Aaliyah not messed up, they would still be the champions, but she's nice. She's kind. She wants to help Aaliyah along. But eventually you're kind of like, I'm dragging this whole team forward and you're not doing your part. And maybe Aaliyah's doing it on purpose. Maybe she just isn't ready, but somebody, that's the impetus of how they break up, right? I would have liked to see that where they can go, okay, well, yeah, you lost the titles, but there's still a storyline with the two of you. Uh, I don't feel like they did that during that match. Mm. So uh, I wouldn't call it a loser. I thought it was a good match and I liked the result. I think damage control should have the titles, but I, I felt like they maybe missed an opportunity for there. sure. Yeah. And I do think also, if you look at the lineage of those titles, a uh, little bit of a sidebar here, but the lineage of those, I mean, it's all over the place, right? Those titles, those, that, that title, the NXT, not the, the WWE women's tag team championship. Um, I mean, it's just been kind of, it's not a very impressive title lineage, right? It was, it's yeah, it's been very stop starty. It's been the people that have held it, haven't defended it that many times. A lot of, a lot of sort of hodgepodge tag teams have had it and um hopefully now they can maybe do a little reset and and now it's now it's on damage control hopefully now we can we can start getting the ball rolling a little bit better with uh with these tiles i have a question for you in terms of sasha banks and naomi because they keep talking people i don't know not wwe but they keep talking about how these two are maybe going to make their return that they might have struck a deal and they're about ready we have no confirmation of that but there was a real feeling when watching that after damage control won the titles that Naomi and uh, Sasha Banks might come out after damage control tried to attack again, uh, just to get the last laugh in and, and beat on their fallen opponents. But it was mm-hmm. Alexa Bliss and Oscar who came out. So mm-hmm. are you starting to feel as though there's a lot of talks surrounding Banks and Naomi, but the, the, the shine of this idea of them returning is starting to fade away a little bit. <sighs> And that's a good question. I mean, I, I I don't think that they're close to coming back. I think they probably will come back. Um, I think there's going to have to be a lot of conversations and renegotiations happening. Maybe Vince not being there is a, a is going to be a big a big element to you know a big reason why they might want to return. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be coming back anytime soon. So I don't know if they're going to. I can't see them. I personally can't see them coming back and challenging uh damage control i mean although that would be good because obviously you have the bailey and, and Sasha banks connection there too um but yeah yeah i mean i don't know maybe maybe they'll come back at extreme rules maybe i'm wrong maybe they'll but you know i think if they do come back it might more likely to be like royal rumble or something like that yeah i just wonder if they're if it's taking too long you know what i mean like i yeah, get well, I there's definitely, a lot of no i think when through, they but... no i know what you mean i know but i think when they come i think when I mean, tag te- in tag team terms, then like if they, yeah, I mean, if they come back as a tag team, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, I don't, I don't think, I think if and when they come back, it's still going to be a big deal. But in terms of the actual sort of tag team division, then yeah, I think maybe the, 
maybe it's kind of cooling off a little bit there. Yeah, we'll see. I'll tell you one of the best parts about the show for me was the Chad Gable versus Johnny Gargano match. Uh, this right, was yeah. really good. It was very different. You know, I think they really tried to sell the idea that these two have an amateur background. Well, maybe not Johnny Gargano so much as he's just been in the business so long that he's so gifted technically. And Chad Gable's very good, but he's also got that amateur background. So there was a lot of that at the beginning. Then there was a lot more just physical stuff. Um, Johnny Gargano picks up the win, which I believe is probably a very predictable outcome when you're advertising his in-ring return and you're really trying to push him. And Chad Gable is, you know, in the same sort of category as guys like the Miz and stuff where he can lose and it doesn't really matter all that much. So this was an outcome that I, you know, you could have called a mile away, but it still was a very good match. What ended up happening after Gargano won the match and we talked about this crossover stuff is that Austin Theory comes out with the briefcase. He smashes it over Johnny Gargano. Then he goes into the ring and he talks about how great he is. And then Kevin Owens comes out and cuts a fantastic promo, but a very well, a strangely timed one. You know, it certainly seemed like Kevin Owens is now a baby face. He was trying to motivate Austin Theory into becoming the person that he says that he is and really the future of WWE. Didn't seem to work. Slaps him. Doesn't seem to work. So then they fight like crazy. Um, so it was another jump, right? You've got Gargano and Austin theory who we've seen over the past few weeks are building to something. Then all of a sudden Kevin Owens comes in and he's got this major issue with Austin theory after he's already beaten Austin theory. So it's felt strangely timed to me, the match itself. Um, were you a fan of it? And then what do you think again about this interjecting somebody like a Kevin Owens into the storyline? Yeah, it's always great to see some like really fun, like really sort of old school mat based technical stuff. I think Chad Gable was like a brilliant in ring performer. I love watching him wrestle. Same with Johnny Gargano, to be honest with you. And yeah, it was like a sort of, you know, he had like a, a you know, real sort of wrestler and then a, a, an indie veteran sort of, you know, and there was no clash of styles there. It was, it was smooth as you like. Um, and then yeah, the, uh, the, the Austin Theory. Kevin Owen stuff. I mean, I'm sure they're gonna we we get we're gonna get some we're we're gonna see a lot more of that, right? I don't think that's the end of it. There. Yeah, they're gonna have a match next week. So they were setting this up, right? But yeah, I guess my point is again, you've now got a feud going on, a rivalry between two people who have a history going all the way back right. to NXT and Raw before when Theory was mm-hmm. called up. Um, but then uh, you know, you've got Owens now just sort of for whatever reason taking this. I have an issue with everything that you are, Austin Theory. It was just a strange time to, yeah, yeah, it. but I get what they're doing. They're setting up right. a match, right? Yeah, it was a bit contrived. It kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, why would, you know, that we've got no reason to fit, why, like, why would Kevin Owens really care about what uh, what Austin Theory was was doing? But, um, you know, at least they're, they're setting up a match. So I don't know, maybe they'll be, maybe it'll go somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I thought the promo was awesome by Kevin Owens. I thought the match was great. I just thought the timing, considering what we're being told about Kevin Owens is that he's he's tunnel visioned in towards getting into the title picture again, and he's now sidetracked himself, concerned about Austin Theory and his future. just seemed a little odd to me. Um, I'm going to skip over mostly the Bianca Belair match with Sonya Deville because it was an open challenge. We all know that Bianca right. is going to yeah. win that. Uh, Sonya Deville looks and look like she's getting a slight push, like she's getting more of a wrestling uh, thing and they did talk about you know Bianca Belair being responsible potentially for her losing her job as an official so they are playing on this a little bit Omos and the two jobbers uh, I don't even know if we can talk about it because I don't think it aired for most people on WWE programming WWE had technical difficulties 
in both the US and Canada. So that entire match wasn't aired on most people's televisions. So I don't know <laughs> what that match looked like. All we heard mm-hmm. was a little bit of audio. It was strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can get into the main event, which was yep. Edge and Dominic Mysterio. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. And I believed Dominic as a heel is just so much better than mm-hmm. Dominic as the baby face working alongside mm-hmm. his dad. He seems to like, he's very stoic. He's kind of like, I don't know if they've coached him through this or they said, this is what we should probably get you to look like and act like this stuff, but he's done a very good job with it. in just a short period of time. I thought this was a good match. Um, the finish, you know, judgment day gets involved. Um, Ray Mysterio comes out, doesn't want edge to keep beating on his son. Cause it's pretty much, it's not a squash, but it's pretty much squash. You know, edge is really just destroying Dominic to send a lesson. And, mm-hmm. you know, then they just beat the crap out of edge at the end and sort of break his leg. And we believe that he, edge is being written off television with this one. So, um, decent match Dominic as a heel to me looks pretty good and judgment day finishes and closes the show taking out edge. So where does this leave judgment day? Do they focus just solely on Rey Mysterio? Well, I guess like we talked about earlier, maybe they're going to move on to riddle next. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I don't think edge is going to be out for that long. So I think maybe we'll just see judgment day, um, you know, uh claim a few souls over the next couple of weeks until edge makes another yet another um big dramatic return to to exact his revenge um i mean i guess i think it makes sense to have this you sort of you know your heel faction come out on top and and close the show with them looking you know looking uh formidable um i gotta say i'm not i'm not i think i do agree with you that dominic is way has this has sort of like breathed new life into him a little bit where so where he was he's much more interesting now than he was before he joined the judgment day when he was kind of boring i still think i i still just don't see it and don't think that he's ready for the i don't think he's i don't think he's ready for the amount of sort of tv time that he's been being given and i'd probably you know i think he he should probably be in nxt for a couple more years um but yeah, you know, I think I think the Judgment Day thing is cool, and it's definitely um, definitely made him a little bit more interesting than he was before. Overall, I thought Raw was pretty good. I don't think it necessarily measured up to where they were last week or the week before, but I still thought it was pretty good. They had some solid matches. Uh, they have set up the Kevin Owens and Austin Theory match for next week, and Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins for the United States Championship, which I think will be a solid match too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to next week. Let's jump over to NXT a little bit. Now we won't mm-hmm. go through the entire card. But there are two things to sort of take out of that show, which I think we Mm. should probably draw some attention to if people don't already know. First, I guess, is what looks to be a brand reimagining again. It's a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. So they they cut a promo with Shawn Michaels narrating, and he's talking about how there's the future of NXT and the stars that they're bringing in and trying to groom into potential household names. But then there's the paying respect to the old people that brought NXT up to the point that it is now. And then they show a new logo, which is really the black and gold, but it has the current shape and design of the new logo without the 2.0 and without all the neon eighties kind of tie dye colors. So we're getting what we think is a mix of black and gold with the new NXT brand. What do you make of that? Um, I think it definitely, you know, it definitely, it's not coincidental that this is happening uh, now and, and Triple H is in charge of, of creative, etc. right? Um, it's definitely no, not coincidental. It does feel like him 
coming in and saying like not you know putting the furniture back the way it was <laughs> in a way um not i don't think he wants to I, I feel like the um you know a lot of the stuff is kind of it can't be changed back right there's there's so so much money time and effort has gone into this to the the rebrand from the black and gold to NXT 2.0 so that's why we're only seeing them make some tweaks so yeah it's not it's not like a full scale reboot or 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 revamp or relaunch like it was when when it became 2.0 but um it's yeah like a combination of the old and and the new stuff which i like you know i i i be honest with you i never liked um i i i i never really got into the 2.0 aesthetic um i found the product largely unwatchable for for a good portion of it after after it relaunched i I was covering nxt for for the site um for a long for for a while and then it was fun and then after the relaunch it became more and more difficult and less and less fun to cover that show it just wasn't it just was not a fun show to, to watch even if i was getting paid to do so um so yeah i'm glad that now we, we we might be getting a little bit you know yeah just kind of getting it tightened up a little bit and and having some some new life breathed into the creative situation and then hearkening back to the glory days of the brand which was you know the black and gold yeah yeah i'm all for this i think that this is probably smart because i think people associate with the old black and gold brand i think they liked and adored that brand i think the fans miss that brand and while you do want to see the new people kind of do their thing and grow yeah. into being the stars that we're going to cheer for tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, I don't think you want what looked like a big kindergarten paint splot. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that's exactly. just, that's not what the brand should be. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really intrigued about what they're going to do here. Uh, and then the other big takeaway from the show is that Solo Sokoa shows up. Nobody's mm-hmm. expecting that. Uh, Carmelo mm-hmm. Hayes takes out his opponent for the night and then Sokoa answers sort of the bell and takes the North American championship at the end of the show. So mm-hmm. Carmelo loses. Uh, he looks great in doing so, but does lose. And mm-hmm. so Sokoa, who we now know is a part of SmackDown and the bloodline has the North American championship. So mm-hmm. I guess my question for you is what does this mean? Does he serve on both brands? Does he go to NXT as the North American title and he defends it there while also being part of the bloodline? Or is he bringing that title to SmackDown and now the North American title will be defended mostly on the main roster yeah i suspect we'll see him i think he's gonna remain on smackdown um as a sort of just a, a member of the bloodline just sort of muscle for roman reigns with that title right because now they all, all i mean they all every member of the bloodline has a has a championship now uh, apart from paul Heyman, obviously um so yeah i think he will show up on smackdown i think i think he will continue to show up on smackdown i think he will have the title belt with him i think he'll only I could be wrong, but I, I I suspect that he'll only defend it on NXT and just be like a bloodline representative on NXT. Uh, yeah. I could see that happening. I don't know. Um, I do believe they probably just did it to give everybody the titles. Uh, they can looks looks good when they're standing in the ring cutting promos, right? Everybody's yeah, got definitely. Um, yeah. I don't know if Carmelo Hayes is going to make a jump here because I think a lot of people believe he's ready, and there's a lot of people looking at him going, "This guy is good," and mm. this guy. Um, I don't know that you want to take him out of NXT, but you mm-hmm. know, at some point you can't deny what is just gifted talent. And Carmelo yeah. Hayes might be the one guy in NXT that you're like, this dude is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that could be something that we should look for here. 
Okay, let's switch. Final show that we're going to be talking about on the podcast here is AEW. Um, kicks off tonight with Sammy Guevara versus John Moxley as part of the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. And I think almost everybody knows watching this match, John Moxley's going to win here. Yeah. Uh, he does win. Uh, and then, uh, you know, MJF comes out after that to sort of cut a promo once Moxley goes away. So the match itself, fairly predictable. Did you like the contest between the two? How did you feel about Sammy Guevara being part of this, by the way? I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm say ambivalent about it, about him being part of this. I mean, I guess I totally get why, because he's one of the four pillars, right? He's, um, homegrown talent, um, to an extent. So I get why they want to sort of showcase him and have him in this tournament. He is a three or three time TNT champion. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I, I get why he's there. He's not the most popular guy in the, in the wrestling community at the moment. And, um, so yeah, so so you know that that was something that I'm sure was was considered when deciding whether or not to have him in this tournament. Um, but you know, I think the way they're looking at it is that he's a heel and he's a he's a smarmy guy that everyone wants to you know he's got a face that you want to punch. And so if he's going to be there, he's going to be fodder for the likes of John Moxley. Um, the match was good; it was solid. I liked it. I would have also maybe just liked it if Moxley had squashed him. Um, I don't think it would have done Guevara any harm to be squashed by John Moxley, but I totally get why uh, why he wasn't. Um, but yeah, solid match, decent opener. Yeah, um, I understand. Kind of like I, maybe they could have picked somebody else other than Guevara, but I do get why he's there. Right, you need a believable heel that you know you want Moxley to beat up, and you mm-hmm. also need somebody who is good enough that you could understand why he's in the tournament, mm-hmm. but he's not going to win. Like Moxley's, mm-hmm. you know probably most people know and we'll jump right to the last match of the night that this is being shaped as brian danielson versus john moxley because you got to have the blackpool combat club facing each other as part of this tournament it's just just too good a story the match between chris jericho and brian danielson though uh takes you know the last what 25 30 minutes of the show yeah uh pretty good match they kind of play off this whole danielson has hurt his ankle so Jericho goes to work on it, but you know, Danielson's just too resilient. He's mm. uh, too much of a fighter. He's not given up and he ends up tapping out Chris Jericho. John Moxley comes out. They have a little stare down, even though it's kind of more like a friendly stare down and respect yeah. to show him. And that's what we're going to be looking forward to next week is that is the big match that yeah. is going to happen between those two. So I guess what I'll ask you is uh, one right person going over here in Brian Danielson and two who goes over between Danielson and John Moxley. Yeah, definitely the right person going over. I thought this I thought this match was brilliant actually. I thought the Jericho Danielson match was brilliant and way way better than their all out match which was a big letdown. I don't think that's a hot take. I think a lot of people thought that. Um it was weirdly sloppy and and just for whatever reason they just couldn't kind of they just weren't clicking. Um this match was the opposite of that. It was brilliant. Um and it really sort of showcased both of their strengths. I think Brian Danielson, you know, I think he's the best wrestler in the world, to be honest with you. And I think he should go over at Arthur Ashe next week. Um, I think Moxley wants to go on vacation. I think he deserves a vacation. Um, and Danielson, I think, is the... Oh, I, I, he's a worthy champion, right? He's the guy on that roster. You can just pitch him with that title, right? And you, now, And also, the title has been through some stuff over the last few months right it's been won by punk then relinquished by punk and then we had an interim champion and then punk won it back and then he was suspended slash injured 
and was stripped or vacated the title just a couple of days later, right? So now we need a strong, you know, I don't I, the word the word noble comes to mind, I guess, but yeah, someone like Danielson who who can carry the company and carry the company through all of this drama and sort of make make sure all of this sort of backstage drama involving the elite and CM Punk is pushed to the back of everyone's minds. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Danielson, uh, but I do have a question I will ask you, but mm. I think they should have taken advantage of his experience, his drawability, his, his drawability, even at work, his name recognition. Mm-hmm. I think they should have put the title on him a while ago. I would have done yeah. that instead of Punk, right? I right. think Danielson is as big a draw, if not bigger, more mm-hmm. respected in the ring, more mm-hmm. well-liked, even though it sounds like he can be a little bit of a handful to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question about Danielson is just his injury situation. Yeah, You just don't know if he's going to have something happen. And then yeah. all of a sudden concussion concerns come up or whatever. You, right. What happens if you give him the title and then there is an injury? I mean, mm-hmm. AW cannot afford this. Like they cannot have another title holder yeah the title for a week or two they need somebody who's going to hold this belt and you know carry it for a while be the flag bearer of aew they did not like changing the titles for the first two years of that company they they did it four times right yeah now they've changed it four times almost in half the span like it's just been so frequently they need somebody stable is danison stable i think i think he's i i i mean barring i would say like yeah, I guess I, I never really thought of him as being injury prone, despite him having to, him having to sort of retire for four years because of, well, that was because of concussions, right? Um, and then he did have the neck thing. I guess, yeah, I, I think he'll be okay. I don't, I, I, I think it would be bad if he was to to win and then have to, you know, if he got, let's say he gets injured in this match with Moxley and then wins the title and then you know he has, to, then then we will know for sure that the AEW World Championship is cursed. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Now, if it does happen, then if Moxie's going on vacation and then Danielson, hypothetically, Danielson's injured, Punk's injured slash suspended, Kenny Omega's suspended. Um, I guess maybe you put Hangman Page back in there, Chris Jericho. Um, they've got options, you know? Yeah. You, could even, you could even call up maybe someone like Miro or Wardlow, right? You know, I think they have options. Well, I'll tell you what I would do, and it's going to lead into the next question that I would, I'm going to ask you about from the show. That one of the things I liked the least about the show, uh, I think you give it to MJF. You know, we talked last week about how you don't want him to come in and take advantage of some fallen opponent or whatever. I think Danielson, even if he's super injured, is proud enough and willing enough to put together a few minute match to give that title to MJF. Yeah. Right. So if that does happen, if it is determined that Danielson cannot carry that belt because of an injury, you've got that in your back pocket. You've got the poker chip. You've got everything that you can use. And MJF holding the title, I think, is the natural next step that everybody kind of wants to see, right? Because he's just, mm-hmm. he's so over his bad guy right now. So, um, but I would tell you, related to MJF talk, the thing I did not like, I hated the idea of that faction. Like, oh, there's really? something about the him. I get that he hires them on retainer. I get that. Right. I am sick of MJF with these factions. Right. I don't think he needs them. I okay. think he's that over. I could see more of a situation where you've got like a Shawn Michaels and a Diesel or a Shawn Michael and a Sid, and you've got an MJF with one guy. Yeah. If that's Big Cass or whatever you want to call him, William Morrissey. But like, why does he need to have a cast full of 
I don't want to call them cast offs and be rude, but that's kind of what yeah. they are, right? They're yeah, either, no, they're the the ass boys. There's the William Morrissey. There's Stokely. It's just a random selection of people mm. tossed into a group, and now they're associated with MJF. And I think mm-hmm. the idea here is MJF is so over, he can help get these guys over too. But I don't think that's what you want to do here. I think mm-hmm. you need MJF to be focused solely on MJF, and if you yeah. need some backup, have him have one guy. Why do they stick these factions with him all the time? What yeah, is, I don't. I don't like it. I'm getting tired of it. I think the vibe, the vibe that I got from from this segment uh, on Dynamite was that I felt that that was him that 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 he was kind of explaining why they why they helped him win the chip at All Out. I don't expect we'll see them accompanying him to the ring every week. I don't expect we'll see him sort of fraternizing with them backstage in the same way that he was with Pinnacle, right? Um, I think it's just going to be a sort of ten, not tenuous, but a sort of um, light alliance where, you know, they're there um, if he needs to call upon them. They're like on his side. They want him to win. But I don't think he's going to be like a full fledged member of that stable. And I think you're right. Yeah, he definitely doesn't need to be with all these groups. Um, I don't know if that was if they wanted him to be a part of that group initially. And then they've sort of pumped the pumped, pumped the brakes on that idea. Or if the plan was always for hit for them to help him win the chip and then to just sort of back off a little bit, but I guess we'll find out. And then I guess maybe, you know, I, I, I see why they, they had him return the way they did. I, I think I said maybe on the podcast at the time that I didn't really like the way he won the chip with, I mean, Stokely going up and getting the chip chip and then giving it, giving it to him just felt, just felt a little bit silly, but yeah, I, I, was, I agree. Who was he talking about when he said he was friends with this person since 19 years old? Do you know? Um, I think Stoke. I think okay. he was about Stokely. So yeah, yeah. here's my suggestion. Why not give him Stokely as a manager? He doesn't need him because MGF is such a good talker. Mm, he doesn't yeah. need a manager, which is typically why you put a manager with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then give him like William Morrissey to sort of be his next wardlow if you right. want to do that. But yeah. the association with these other guys, it just doesn't make sense to me. I just, right. and maybe they're not connected like you said, but he talked about their, their history and how long they've been together. And then at the same yeah. time, you've got this MGF character who doesn't like anybody. Right. right that's so what it, I mean. Yeah. It's a very strange kind of like, yeah, we all hate, I hate everybody. They all hate me, but here, look at this group of friends that I have now, all of a sudden they just want to help me out. And, and we don't know exactly what the payoff is for them. Yeah. Logically and canonically, it wouldn't make sense for someone like MJF to be friends with the ass boys. But um, I guess with Stokely, yeah, you're right. I would like to see maybe W Morrissey being his muscle, like in replacing Wardlow being like a sort of diesel figure. I think that could be pretty cool. He doesn't need a mouthpiece, so I think it's fine for him to sort of have a little alliance with Stokely, and but he definitely doesn't need to be with him every week. Um, but I mean, aside from the MJF connection, I actually quite—I mean, I actually liked that segment, and I liked Stokely's promo, and I think that I think that being in that group is going to do one—one one, going to do wonders for you know for the for for the guns um, and for Lee Moriarty. And probably for W Morrissey too. Um, I don't think Ethan Page really needs to be there. I think he's already kind of proven himself as a, a talent. Um, he's already been part of a stable. You know, he was with, um, you know, he was in, he was in the, he was with, uh, what were they called? What was it? Scorpio Sky? What were they called? The, yeah. The, MMA, the Dan yeah, Lambert's MMA. Yeah, <laughs> MMA I'm trying stable. to remember. It's <laughs> yeah. escaping me too. So, so, mem- so memorable that we can't, can't remember their name. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Ethan Page, I think he feels a little bit out of place in that group, but um, yeah, other than that, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. All right. Anything in the last 30 seconds here of the show, anything else that you took away from dynamite tonight? 
Um, it, I would say that it was a strong opener and a strong closer. Some of the stuff in the middle was a little bit weak, which is kind of not, which is kind of the case with Dynamite sometimes. But I am very, very excited for the Arthur Ashe show because last year's Arthur Ashe Grand, like Grand Slam Dynamite episode was very, very good. Yeah, I, I will say I thought last week's Dynamite, I like the two matches that you mentioned, the first one and the last one, but the rest of the show, last week's Dynamite was so much better. It was yeah. just really, really solid, and especially right. considering it was a top what to bottom good show. Talking about coming out of the suspensions and who wasn't going to be there, I thought AEW really delivered last week. Yeah. I don't think so as much this week, but I thought yeah. this show was okay. Uh, the matches were pretty good, and you know whether the outcomes were predictable or not, I'm looking forward to those matches next week. Mm. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. I appreciate it, Norman. Uh, we're going to say goodbye, but for everybody else who's been listening to the Sportser Show. Uh, We appreciate you doing so. We would really appreciate it if you go to your favorite podcast platforms, download, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts until we get a chance to do another show. Thank you very much, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 